Hello world. Today's interview is with X Games gold medal winner and world champion skater Chris Haffey. Now this interview is important to me because if you don't know, I've actually been a skater for many years, about 20 years now, and I don't mean skateboarding, I mean inline skating, but grinding on rails, jumping off ledges and ramps, all that crazy stuff that you see skateboarders do. Rollerbladers actually do that too, and it's a beautiful, beautiful sport and industry that I've, I'm very happy to be a part of. And Chris is, in my opinion, like you know the Michael Jordan of skating. You know, he he has won the X Games, sure, but I mean, he's won basically every competition he's ever gone to. He's in the top two, always. Um, he is an incredible athlete and a really humble guy. So I'm glad he was able to spend some time with us. This is a quick interview; it's less than an hour, and we did it over Zoom because he lives in Australia now. So let's catch up with him and see what the journey is all about. Yo yo, yo! What's going on, man? How's everything going? How's it going having a kid? Oh, it's awesome, dude. It's it's like the trippiest thing ever, just watching them become like a little human and like, you know, watching things you do them pick up on and, and stuff like that. And he's getting a, a bit older. Like I take him to the skate park on his bike all the time and he's getting way more confident and cruising around and stuff. And he's, yeah, it's so cool to see, man. Dude, I can imagine. Did you always yeah. want to have kids? Was that something you, you thought about when you were younger or did it just happen as you got married and so on? Yeah, no, for sure. I always just, ima- I mean, I had like a really good kind of family life growing up. So it just kind of, it wasn't just like, oh, that's what you do when you grow up. But like I had such a good kind of family experience, close family that it was like, I'd like to have, you know, a family of my own, you know, when the time's right. Yeah. Was your family, was your family supportive of you when you started skating? Majorly. Yeah. Like if I wouldn't be, um, where, or I, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did in skating without their support. Like from the jump, man, like I, when I lived in Atlanta, where I started, my dad would drive me 45 minutes to the skate park. Um, like either, every weekend or sometimes Saturday and Sunday on the weekends. Wow. Uh, and then when we first moved to California, he like drove me out to Phoenix for a stop at NIS and stuff like that. And this is when I'm like 12 years old. So, you know, it's Jeez. like, uh, you know, well, how, how'd you get into skating? Like how, how old were you when you first started? Uh, I was, well, when I, when I first got skates, I was really young, man. Like, uh, mighty ducks got me into kind of the roller hockey yeah. side of things. So, um, had skates. I, I can't even remember the first pair, kind of pair of rollerblades I had because I had them so young. Uh, and then I got into ice hockey and then it was friends from my ice hockey team took them to a skate park. And then it just kind of was a wrap from there. It was just. Yeah. For, for when did you, when did you know that skating was going to become something serious, like more than just a hobby? It was going to be something you were going to pursue. Uh, I mean, I don't think I made the conscious decision to pursue it per se, but I was just obsessed. Like from the time I was 12, I was like laser focused. Like the only thing I wanted to do was skate. Like it was like hockey faded away. Any other sport faded away. It was just like, that's what I want to do. And it was, it was like, I wanted to be on skates from the time I woke up till the time I went to sleep. So it was kind of just a natural thing and then I was like of course I dreamt of being a pro skater but it's like that's one of those things where you're like you can't just decide you're gonna pursue that you know it's got to be like a, a myriad of things coming together to 
happened the right way. And I just got lucky, right place, right time. Like moved back to Southern California, kind of the Mecca and kind of got mixed up with the right people, the right time. And was there a, yeah, was there a defining moment you can think of when it, when, when it felt like a transition happened from it being a hobby to it being real? I mean, I was always real, but I mean, like, even from a professional standpoint, like, were you competing as a kid for fun? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I, like, when I went to that MISCOM, like, the MISCOMs, they would have an amateur event the day before, and I would always, like, go, or, like, before the pro comp, there was an amateur comp, and there was always, like, 300 people in it or something like that, and I would always compete in those. And then, like, I think the top three or something like that from the amateur thing went into the pro thing. And like, yeah. I'd always dreamed of doing that, but like at the time I was doing those, there was no chance. Like I would get like, <laughs> I would get like 60th place every time or something like that. But I, I started competing in this contest from like, yeah, age 12. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of have to have that passion, right? Cause I mean, the amount of effort it takes to succeed at anything you need to have, you got to want to do it day and night, like mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And did your parents, they see the, the potential of where it was going to go? Or in their mind, did they think you were going to get a real job at some point? I mean, of course, they, they imagined that path. And, like, my sister was really academically inclined. And, like, she was kind of they, – they always were very education kind of based, like, in terms of, like, that was what was important. Like, make sure you get the education. You can do whatever you want with it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which at the time I didn't get, I was like, fuck school. I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, just, I just hated school. So I just didn't get it. And I would, I would fight my mom to do my homework and stuff. And I was like, what, you know, do you use this? Tell me how you use this in your life as an adult and I'll do it. And like, it was like, you know, just being like a smart ass and I didn't get it then, but now I do get it. And I feel the same way. It's like, if you get that education, that opens so many more doors to, like you can kind of do whatever you want, but you need that base kind of there to, in order to do certain things, you know, if you want yeah. to be a doctor, for, for I, instance, or whatever. No, of course. But, yeah, there's certain things for sure. But having a base education, I mean, just being educated in general is a good thing. It doesn't oh, always have to equate to school. But. Yeah, oh, 100%. And, and, and knowing that now, like I kind of, it, it's kind of cool. I kind of got my education through experience on the road, like, so when, when it ch- changed was it, it, the thing that happened was I got sponsored and started making money around the same age that you would get your first job. Like, so like, like 15, 16, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I think I was 15, maybe 16. I think, no, I must've been 15 and it wasn't a lot of money. It was like 300 bucks a month or, or something like that, you know, right, but right. at that age, you know, you don't need a lot of money. So um and then it was 600 dollars a month and then it was like you know it just kind of kept rolling and then it was like okay like he's making money doing this so like we can't tell him go get a job because yeah he's it kind of is a job and they saw the drive like they knew i was kind of you know so driven that it, and doors were opening and then every time a door opened to kind of push my drive even harder and then that kind of cultivated what you know everything that happened it was like a you know, beautiful set of circumstances that all unfolded. <laughs> yeah, like one thing snowballs into the next. 100%, yeah. Dude, I've been watching your sections for so long. I was just re-watching your VG20 section, which is from mm. like 20 plus years ago. And basically, yeah. as long as I can remember, you've always been winning every contest. 
and at the top of the game. Like, what's your mindset around that? I remember you did something in the, in the VG20 profile where you're talking about the theory of pain and the theory of focus. Um, like, did you always think of it like as a winning mindset? Did you, were you consciously saying, I'm gonna push the sport to the next level? Or was that just a, a happy accident of you having fun? No, it, uh, a little bit of both. Like just from the time I was a kid, I was super competitive, like ultra competitive, like playing soccer as an eight-year-old, I didn't like losing. So yeah. it was like, you know, it, and some people just, I think are just inclined that way. Like they're just, I, I just like to win whatever I'm doing, whether it's playing cards, playing, you know, whatever. Like I just like to win. So that was that was always my um, kind of, mindset going into a contest was like well why am i skating if i'm not trying to win and then kind of i I mentioned it i I did another podcast and i mentioned something that that happened contest wise that really sparked something to me i won two big contests really early on in my career and that made me i already believed i could win but then it happened so it reinforced that belief yeah and then it happened again right away so then when it happened again right away, it was like, okay, why can't I win any contest I enter? And I think that flipped a a switch to even another level of self-belief. And then it was just like, it made it easier to just run my program, right? And that's when you do well in anything, I think, is when you're not doing things because of what other people are doing. You're just doing your thing the best you can do it. Yeah. I believed so much in what I was doing because it worked twice right away that then it made it easier to keep doing that instead of the times I wouldn't do good in the contest is when I was paying attention to tricks other guys were doing. And then I'd go, Oh, he just landed this. Like if I don't do something like this, then I, you know, blah, blah. And as soon as I'd get caught up in what other people were doing, it was like a downward, downward spiral. Like I, I, got off my game plan, wasn't doing tricks I was comfortable with, things like that. But um, Yeah, it's almost like the context becomes different when you're trying to think about what they're doing instead of just pushing yourself. And that belief, I'm sure, was monumental too. I mean, like, it's one thing to to know you can win. It's another thing to then prove it to yourself. Oh, oh, this thought that I had, it's real. (laughs) And then you do it again. It just cements that identity. Yeah. And then I would do shit sometimes. Like I, I would tell Kato before a contest, like I'm gonna win that contest. Like and I think part of that was kind of self preparation in my head, like kind of getting into the right mindset to to win a contest, kind of thing. Not it may come off as arrogant or or whatever in the wrong context, but I think I would do things like that to kind of put my brain in a place where I knew that's what the ultimate goal was going into the event. Well, they say that the strongest need is for us to behave like how we identify ourselves, right? So if we keep saying that we can't do something, oh, it's probably not gonna work out, then we throw a half-ass effort and it doesn't work out, then we're like, see, I told you it wasn't gonna work out. It's like, yeah, because we we went into it with the wrong mindset, but it's like, you do have to kind of claim it in your mind. Like, no, this is my intention going into it. Yeah, which is always where I was. And my intention always was to be the best. Like that was kind of my ultimate goal. Like I wanted to be the best at anything I did. So, yeah, you know, that was why I would do certain things. I wanted to be the first person to do certain tricks or, you know, things like that. Like that was kind of 
how I looked at skating. I wanted, I did want to be the best at it. So that was kind of my approach to who how you, I Who are some of your role models? Some people you look up to in sports or in life in general? Oh, just in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, it could be sports people, it could be whatever, just people who- Yeah, who I mean, is. Kobe was a huge one, man. Like Kobe, I grew up, I'm a huge basketball fan, grew up on kind of all sorts of, you know, grew up on Jordan in the 90s kind of as a young kid, Jordan and Shaq and stuff like that. But then like when I really got into basketball, like properly watching games and understanding the, all the rules and things yeah. like that, it was all Lakers and it was Kobe. And so like, I, you know, I, Kobe was like similar kind of mindset sort of thing. Like the way he was driven was kind of how I felt like I was driven. Yeah. Obviously he and on a a uh, completely different level, but uh, well, you know what's funny? It's funny, like the the industry of basketball might be bigger surrounding it, yeah. but in terms yeah. of um, you know, athlete for athlete, I would say you're as good at skating as Kobe or Jordan were at what they did. I mean, like I know you're you're a humble dude, but mm. I mean the numbers don't lie, and like you're incredible at what you do. Like you know, I, I'm saying that like I, it, it's been really inspiring me. Like um. When I hear you say that, it kind of confirms my belief that you have this like humble alpha energy about you. It reminds me of the Jordans, of the Kobe's, even like Kanye or like the Muhammad Ali's type of mindset of like, you have to have this belief in yourself. You might be scared every now and then or whatever, but it's, at some point you have to claim it and say, no, I'm oh, yeah. here to deliver and, and that's what drives me. Yeah, you know? well, and generally I was pretty quiet. Like I, I, just in general, I was a quiet, shy person like, you know, semi-introverted. I, I wouldn't say I'm a full-on introvert, but, you know, I don't think I was ever outwardly, conf like, overly confident or cocky or whatever. I I tended to, to let the skating do the talking for me. Like, I never wanted to tell you I was good. I wanted you, you to know I was good because you saw it, you know, like, and it's like you couldn't deny that I'm good if, if I'm doing that, but if I'm just talking shit about how good I am or... I'm going to do this or do that. That's one thing. I was always about doing it and just letting the skating talk for for me kind of thing. Yeah. Did you have any career setbacks? Uh, I guess I'll say prior to going to Nitro Circus, were there any specific challenges that you went through physical or whatever that, uh, yeah, that you grew like, from? I mean, yeah, there was like, yeah, plenty, man. Like injuries for one, obviously everyone's going to go through injuries, but like, you know, injuries at specific times when it was like, you know, things were on the up and up. And then, you know, I, I remember, I think it was when I broke my leg, it was like, I broke my, I broke my leg and separated the bones in my ankle. So I had to have surgery on my ankle and do my leg. And it was like, I think I was off skates for three and a half, four months, which isn't in the big scheme of things isn't that long but it was right when I felt like I was really starting to blow up so it was kind of it was when I was filming for what, what was it it was in like anyway it was in like 2001 or two no it was 2003 so it was it was pretty early on in my like exposure to yeah. you know and I felt like there were so many people in that kind of generation coming up at the same time that like any time lost was like I was losing footing to like momentum that I had been gaining. So yeah. I guess that 
kind of the biggest one injury wise. And then there was plenty of times like, you know, money wasn't great at times. And then it was like trying to figure out how to get by financially while continuing to do what I love to do and what I wanted to do, which was just skate and film parts and go to contests. Um, so there was always things to figure out. To be honest, I can't even. Did you ever feel like quitting or? Uh, I don't think I ever, I think I loved skating too much to get that far from it based on like a financial thing but there was definitely times i was super frustrated with the financial situation yeah um when it was like knowing other guys that were making more money that i felt like i was on the same level at but just their companies had more resources or whatever it was you know I, i do remember things like that but i i can't remember like specific details though because I, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to generally dwell on anything, whether it's bad or good or, but mostly bad stuff. Like I have a hard time thinking back on bad stuff because I generally get past it and keep moving forward. And then I don't like thinking about it. So I kind of forget things happen until yeah. someone says something that then I'm like, oh yeah, shit, you know, whatever. But. I feel you. I think most of my memory recall is just all the good stuff that happened in life. Like when something bad happens, like after I go through it, I just end up like redefining it as no, that needed to happen to push me to get over here to learn this lesson. So then it was great. So then as time goes on, all my stories are just like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. Well, and that's, I think that's the other thing is once you figure out, because I'm I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason kind of thing. And that includes bad stuff. And then you end up learning something from them or or something good wouldn't have happened had that bad thing not happened. So then, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight's 2020. And as when you're looking back, you realize those things. And then that bad thing becomes not a bad thing. Like where it was like, Oh, at the time, like even take my broken leg, for instance, I, when I can't, it was my, it was my dominant soul foot. Okay. And I, at the time I was very, I couldn't do a lot of switch tricks. Like I, I did them, but I didn't feel comfortable doing them. And then when I came back from that injury, I was really conscious about not overstressing that ankle. So I started skating switch a lot just yeah. to like, because I wanted to be on skates, but I didn't want to be putting pressure on that ankle. And so I became way better at switch skating to the point that, later down the road in skating like I, I could do most tricks both ways because i felt that's amazing that and that wouldn't have happened if i wasn't in a position where my dominant foot was you know weakened yeah. for an, a, an extended period of time to where i spent that much time skating switch to get that comfortable so then that's when amazing. i look back oh my god it's like it wasn't a bad thing it completely changed the future of my skating so it's not yeah. that I don't think about them. I just, I think I realized the lesson or the place it got me. And then it becomes not a bad thing, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And then just like how winning the contest had that, that, um, <laughs> that momentum effect at the beginning, I'm sure the more times we overcome challenging times and then yeah. we find the meaning in them, now the next time a challenging time <laughs> comes, we're just like, okay, there's got to you know, be a funny. meaning somewhere. <laughs> I, I remember talking, I was talking to Richie Azzo once about this kind of exact thing. And I I remember him saying that it was funny. He was like, when too much good shit happens, I start to get worried. 
yeah. like on like something bad's like around the corner and he's like and now kind of when bad shit happens i start to get juiced because i know like some good shit is coming kind of thing and it, it just speaks it's such a good mindset it's so relatable like, not necessarily the like every time good shit happens going oh fuck something bad's gonna happen but the the mindset of going every time something bad happens going oh sick something good's about to come because whatever it's just such a it's such a good way to look at bad shit happening but that happened to me when I moved to LA and started pursuing music videos. Every time after I would have a, a bad breakup and I would be heartbroken, in yeah. that heartbroken phase, I'd get a call to work with like a bigger artist. <laughs> and yeah. it would happen again. Yeah. Then I would have a new girlfriend. And then we, the second we break up, I'd be like, oh, somebody's going to call me soon. Just waiting, <laughs> just waiting by the phone. Just yeah. like, who's going to call this time? <laughs> it happened so many times that, that that's so funny that Richie said that because I really do feel that. Like when I have consistently yeah. tough days, I'm like, okay, something fantastic is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Nitro Circus. Um, B biggest extreme sports traveling show in the world, I, in my opinion. Um, and you're basically the only person representing an entire sport and culture in it, or you were for a while. How did that yeah. happen? How did you first get connected with them? Because you've always been doing big tricks. You've always been big on street, at park. I mean, you've always been a, a stunt kind of a guy. But how did that yeah, relationship sure. build? Yeah, well, so, yeah, I basically, I always had the most fun going as fast and as big as I could. And the thing that I that drew, drew me so much to the mega ramp is it's basically the safest way to do that. It's like you're going faster than you go to any other trick. You're going bigger than any other time. And then, yeah. but it's relatively safe. Like if you take the night ramp, for example, it's built perfect. Like if you drop in the rolling, don't do anything to mess up and make it off the takeoff you're going to land generally like in the sweet spot. It's like engineered yeah. physically to throw you yeah. the right way. Yeah, exactly. So like you could just drop in and know, like if it's indoors and there's no wind and all that stuff, no, no other thing, yeah. you know, if I just drop in and go straight, I'm going to land in the sweet spot. So it's like, it just frees you up to be able to do like cool shit and big and, and it just feels cool. Like doing a 360 on it feels awesome. I bet um, just holding that nice and slow in the air. Yeah, and then just like hitting the sweet spot and just like still going that fast. And so I basically that's what drew me to the mega ramp, and then uh, or that style kind of ramp. I basically I connected with uh, with Nitro just kind of randomly. I think what happened is they reached out to Woodward and asked for contact info for a rollerblader. Um, I, I believe it was Richie Velasquez gave them my info and he asked me about it. Like, do you care if I give your info to guys from Nitro? And I was like, yeah, no, for sure. Go ahead. And then I didn't hear anything for months and he, there was no context to it. Like just they're getting your contact info. And then months later I heard from, they're doing a training session. So I went out there and kind of, did did two weeks of training with them on this ramp they were building which was the nitro gigantic ramp and uh we were like making changes to it each day kind of like okay we need more flat bottom or we need more height on the rolling or whatever it was we figured it all out and then uh at the end of the two weeks it was kind of like okay so the the reason we're doing all this is because we're doing a live show in stadiums and the first first one we're doing is in australia it's 12 shows over six weeks um, and we want you to come with us. And I was like, fucking sign amazing. me up. Yeah. 
um, so it was epic, man. It was like the opportunity of a lifetime. And, uh, so I did that. And then how did they, how did they treat you? Like, were they welcoming to, were they seeking a rollerbader in the first place? Like, they they say we want a rollerbader. Yeah. They actively were looking for a rollerblader. Yeah. So then were they very welcoming to you? Because a lot of people don't know this, but at least back in the day, there used to be some like tribal beef between some of the extreme sports. I mean, you know, it, it was more of a cultural thing. But I mean, individually, people were very nice. Were they welcoming? How, how was the vibe? Yeah, super welcoming. And and I was kind of nervous about that, to be honest, because they were like the, the MTV show had ju- I think it, it was just starting its like second season and stuff. So they were like you know, relatively famous people at the time. And I mean, they still are like, but yeah. the main cast and like came from a background of like moto and, you know, all the other action sports. And, and I never knew any of guys from the moto industry. And I assumed that they would be like the coolest of cool guys, like, <laughs> you know, hate on skating more than anyone. And, um, no, when I showed up, it couldn't be more the opposite. Like everyone was super welcoming from from the start. And I mean, granted, there was a joke here and there, but like a joke and hate are two totally different things. And like, yeah. you know, I I never was the type to run around with a chip on my shoulder, going, "What the fuck did you say?" Yeah, like you know what I mean. It's like I just never had that defensive kind of mindset about skating and what other people thought about it or anything so I, I didn't care about that and then as soon as I started riding it became a like okay like now we just have respect for you because you're good at what you do and that's yeah. kind of Nitro's whole like mo is like if you kill it at whatever it is you do respect like respect's there you know it's like I don't care if it's on a scooter. I don't care. I mean, look at our Willie. He was like a scooter kid from, you know, from Queensland. Now he's like the star of the show. He has three X Games gold medals in BMX. Like he became like the, wow. like he is now the star of the show for sure. And, um, you know, that's, and that just speaks volumes to how Nitro is. It's funny. We had like some like core skate guys come in who kind of have that kind of beef mentality. Skateboarding is the coolest, blah, blah, blah. And they just didn't fit because Nitro doesn't Nitro isn't the cool kids. Nitro's like Misfit Island. Like if that makes sense, it's yeah. like I don't know, people that are really fucking good at random things or like, <laughs> you know, or the best at what they do, but like have the right mentality about it. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to explain. Well, yeah. well I, I feel like when people are really focused and passionate about what they do, there's not much room to be hating on somebody else. Yeah, I, th- exactly. I feel like a lot of that was just tribalism back in the day of being like, oh, the way I roll is different than the way you roll. It's like, dude, it's yeah. we're all at the skate park yeah. just trying to have fun. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so you've been with them for many years now, right? Nitro, you've been... 12 years, yeah. It's, um, Holy shit, it's been a while. Yeah, and I, I actually stopped riding. So I stopped riding the shows in March of 2019. So two years, oh, over two years ago, almost three years ago now. Yeah. Um, so I, I still work for him now. I'm the full-time athlete manager. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, I stopped riding in 2019. So yeah, I well, rode from 2009 until then. So I did 10 years of, of touring as a rider. 
Dude, that must have been so epic, just traveling the world doing shows like that. Especially doing good what times. you love. Yeah, it was good times. I mean, it was it's crazy looking back on it now. There was ups and downs, and there was like certain tours where they just felt like they wouldn't end and like things like that. But you know, look, overall looking back on it, man, it was like the craziest life experience. And yeah, so thankful that I got the chance to do it. And like the cool part is, is like, I mean, even just doing that first tour would have been that sick right. like life experience to look back on, but somehow it kept snowballing and we did it for 10 years. I mean, they're still going, um, That's but amazing. you know, I got to do it as a writer for 10 years, you know, and did over 300 shows with them and, and stuff like that. So it was, it, it was, yeah. Best experience ever. What did you learn from that tour? The first one? Or, or just, in just general, in just, just on that experience of, well, I guess you're still working with them, but. Yeah, far out. Uh, so much, man. I mean, I was 25 when I'm sorry, I'm almost 37 now. So, I mean, just in that age, you're, yeah. you're going to learn so much. And like, it's, it's at the point now where it's, I was so involved with it for so long. It became like my everyday, like some of the years, dude, we were on tour almost 11 months of the year and stuff like that. So it was wow. like, you know, day and day. So I, things I just kind of, I can't separate nitro from <laughs> life for the last 10 years. You know, it wasn't like two months of the year I did the tours and then I would like, look, you know, certain life things would happen in that two months. It was like everything I've learned and done over the last 12 years is like somehow connected with nitro. So it's, it's hard to distinguish like things because I feel like I've grown so much. Yeah. As a, so much of life in general has yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. funny when you're 25, you feel like you're old and blah, blah, blah. Like, especially in skating, like, you know, when I was 18, I knew, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to retire from skating when I'm 25 because I knew guys that stopped, you know, around then. And now looking back, I'm like, fuck, 25, you're like a baby. Like, uh, and so, like, the amount of, you know, learning and life that happens between 25 and 37 is, there's a lot. So a lot. Yeah. A lot happens, yeah. for sure. You think you know everything in your 20s, and then you're yeah. like, dude, I didn't know shit. Yeah. Did yeah. you treat now your body... <laughs> Did you treat your body like an athlete uh, growing up? Like, did you like work out, stretch, do yoga, that kind of stuff, or not? Not growing up, and not um, not even when Nitro first started, was I doing that? And then I think it was one of those things. Like, that's one of those life things. You get older, and you realize. I think a big part of that is like when you're 20, you can do anything. I was on skates probably eight hours a day or something when I was 20. So that's basically. Yeah some form of working out. So I was always just in good shape right. from skating. And it wasn't until I got older and I would do tours and then go home for a month and I wouldn't skate in that month that I started noticing things. Not that I would like gain weight. I'd actually lose weight because mm -hmm. I'd lose muscle. And like, I realized, oh, okay. So I, if in this interim, when I'm not skating, I need to do something else to keep my body going. You know? Yeah, and and so those are things I think you just learn as you get older. So somewhere along the way, I definitely started taking just phys like uh, my uh, physical health and like shape I was in more seriously. And I think that's something that just kind of naturally happens. Yeah, know, that makes you, sense. Yeah. yeah, stretching feels a lot more important to me now. I mean, I always <laughs> knew it was important, but now even if I'm just sitting at home editing on my desk, I'm like, okay, I need to take a break, warm up, stretch yeah. my 
my hamstrings and everything. It's like sure, so man. many people in their offices are probably stressed out and they just need to stretch and get a massage or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell me about golf. I know we only got about 20 minutes left, but you seem like you really love golf. What's, what's the deal with that? Is that a, a, a mental challenge? It kind of reminds Dude, me of almost like a Jordan. <laughs> Awesome I was, what's funny is I just, so Jordan just did this interview with uh, Steph Curry at the Ryder cup and they're talking about golf and basketball and he kind of said it better than anyone. Like he basically said, when I left basketball, like I needed golf, you know, and that's kind of, I'm the same. Like golf is, it's so, it's such a hard game. And yeah. like when you start getting better at it, you start to like get a like I got addicted to golf early. Like I played golf through my whole kind of um, skating career, um, but only started taking it more seriously as I stopped skating as often. And then as I was getting more into it, it was like I would choose golf over anything else. Like it was, it's yeah. it's hard to explain, but it's such a personal challenge. Like and like I can go out and play golf on my own and be in my own little world for four hours. And like, you can't really explain it to someone that doesn't play, but like. Do you like that it's an individual game? What's that? Do you like that golfing is an individual game, like skating? Like I, you're, you're technically not going against anybody. Yeah, I do. Well, that's the thing I like the most is that it's you against the course. Like, it's funny. Like a lot of times I'll go play with other people and then I'll come back and people will be like, Oh, who won? And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what, like, I may know what they scored, but I wasn't playing them. I was playing me. Cause like, that's the thing about golf. Like, let's say I go out and have a shit day and shoot a score for me feels terrible, but I beat this person cause they played worse. Yeah. That doesn't make me feel good that I beat them cause right. I didn't beat myself. Like I, so that's like my thing is even if you're playing golf against someone else, it doesn't feel the same to win. Whereas I feel good when I beat like a score I've previously had, or if there's a certain hole that I really struggle with and I birdie it or par it or whatever, I'm like, fuck yeah. And like, you know, I get that, like, I don't know, I get the same competitive, you know, thing out. And I, I think it's funny. One of the biggest things I think a lot, so a lot of sports people, right. They, they struggle when they let go of their sport or like move on to the next chapter of life. And, I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize is like, especially action sports, like when you're moving that fast, it literally is mo uh, meditation. Yeah. Like you can't think like if you think you, you're going to get hurt. So like you're putting your brain into this zone. Like people talk about the zone, like that's just like an ultra meditative place where like your brain isn't thinking it's just doing. Yes. And like, if, if it's, it's such a huge reset, like think about any time you're having a shitty day and like just dropped everything, went out for a skate, had an awesome skate and you, you like come back to those problems that were stressing you out and they don't seem like that big of a deal. And it's yeah. because you're like, got a like, it's like turning your phone on and off and like you're, you come back, like it, it just, it's like a hard reset for your brain, in my opinion. Yeah. And if you don't find something else that does that, your brain never gets the reset and it just builds and builds and builds and people struggle a lot mentally with things. And 
I, I maybe that's just my kind of theory because golf does that for me. But like the same thing will happen. Like I'll, if I have a shitty day and whatever, and then go out and play a good round of golf, I come back and I'm like, what was I stressed about? Like, you know, I got that like complete re- reset kind of thing. Yeah. It's and like, it's, it's like, it's like it breaks the pattern of thinking of focus of meaning. Cause like you said, yeah. to, to skate well or to do anything well, you have to be so in the moment in the zone yeah. that it forces you to be present and everything else goes and it yeah. just breaks the whole pattern. It's almost like a, a lot of times when I, if I feel myself getting cranky earlier in the day and I haven't worked out, it, I know that's why. Even if it's just as much as like taking my dog for a run or something, like yeah. physical activity is so important for, for mental <laughs> health. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sweet, man. Dude. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me, man. Yeah, no problem, dude. Always happy to catch up with a homie. It, it's been forever, so it's good to see your face. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, likewise, man. What what are things that are taking up your mind now? I know you got the son, that's and, and the wife. Congrats on that. Congrats on the beautiful family. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, family's a big one, man, just because time, like that's where your time goes. Time and work uh, or sorry, family and work. Um but uh yeah, we actually have I've I've got a second baby coming uh no shit. in three and a half weeks. So um good congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, kids, man, they, I mean, it takes up a lot of time. There's a lot of stuff you got to do and just things like, you, you know, I don't know, your focus is just there. That's what you care about the most and things like that. The focus is change and stuff. So basically, yeah, family, just life, just enjoying life with yeah. my family. This is the main, main goal. So uh what are some uh, what are some messages now? Now that your life has kind of come full circle to now you creating the family, right? Um, mm. Which congrats on that, by the way. Uh, Thanks, what man. are some messages that you would tell to your younger self? If you could go back to your like you know eighteen year old self and you could let yourself know some things that you now know that you're older, what would that be? What would you like to share? I mean, pretty much just like just everything's always gonna work out. Like I don't know that's. I think back then I kind of stressed too much about the next thing and what was going to happen and it needed to happen now. And it's like, it didn't, it didn't need to happen now and everything happened the way it was supposed to. And I mean, getting without getting too deep, I think I I wouldn't want to go back and say anything because I wouldn't want it to change anything that happened because everything happened the way it was supposed to, whether it was good or bad or whatever. And um, yeah, I think, I, and I've kind of adopted that now as I said, everything's always going to be okay, you know, and it, it will be if you think of it like that. And it may take a lot of fucking time to get okay again, you know, if something's really hard or whatever. But, you know, if you kind of, I don't know, in my opinion, if you kind of think like that, you know, you're always looking for ways to do things and to help things get better or back to how you want them or whatever, rather than dwelling on why they're not good now. So I don't know. I just think it's a good way to think. So I just always think to myself, like everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I feel you, you know, because our interpretation of life is life. Yeah. You know, two people. Yeah. yeah, How you were saying earlier, how you think back to, when you're 25 and now you're like, Oh yeah, I didn't know shit. Like the more I learn, the, the more I know, I don't know. 
if that makes sense. Like I know that I don't know fuck all. Like, so <laughs> the best thing I can do is just keep experiencing life and learning as much as I can, but along the way, just doing whatever I can to be happy with my family in, in the process. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think for me, a, a shift I recently adopted is instead of trying to achieve, to be happy, I'm here to happily achieve. You know, it's like so many times I feel like every time I accomplish something, my eyes is immediately going to the next thing, and which is good from a progress standpoint. But at some point, it feels like you're never achieving enough because there's always that next thing to do. And I used to feel like if I was satisfied with what I had, I would lose the drive for for the next thing. And now I'm working yeah. on that balance of being grateful. It's like, no, it's dude, come a long way. And, and, and I want to enjoy the moment that I have now while I'm creating yeah. that next yeah, thing. For sure. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is that, and probably for, especially for someone like you with the type of projects you work on is that what probably brings you the most, uh, like what's the right word? Um, like the way you feel the happiest is when you're being productive on a project. So it's actually the process of doing the whole thing, not the finished product or yeah. the end, you know, achievement. Whereas like, it's always good to, you know, to celebrate those things and enjoy those moments. But like, you probably feel the best when you're like right in the thick of. Yeah. Like, Especially when it's like in the zone, when I know yeah. what we're working on and I can see it coming together. It's, it feels yeah. great. The release of yeah. a project feels great. It's almost like an orgasm. It's like sure. the project is out. And then yeah. and right afterwards, I'm like, okay, on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I recently started skating again, man. Like, like I never really stopped, but recently I started going back and actually reconnecting with some of my childhood friends. And mm. um, like I went back to the original skate park where I first learned to soul grind and all that. Yeah, and it yeah. just reminded me of just, just so much joy that I get from it. You know, like I feel like skating is always going to be a part of my life. Obviously, I've never done it professionally, but I can't imagine a day in the future where I'm not skating. Not even enough to just hit a, hit a quick soul grind or a couple of hits on the rail just to just to, I don't know, the whole culture of it transformed me, you know, mm. like through oh, skating, I learned how to film, how to edit, traveling, making friends, making t-shirts, making websites. Like it's such a self-sufficient, independent culture. Like there's no training regimen on how yeah. to skate. You just show up yeah. and do shit and mm. get better on your own terms. It's Well, and it's funny that translates to anything. You see a lot of people who did skate at a high level pretty much do everything they do at a high level because that's what they do is they get in and they do shit and like that's you know you know take someone like mike johnson with the you know the other you know his artwork and the you yeah. know motion he's doing now and all of that it's like it takes that same mentality if you apply that same mentality to anything that you care enough about like magic happens so it's like you see a lot of people who are successful or Vinny with all of his yeah. stuff. I mean, the list goes on. There's too many people in the name that are killing it at what they do now. It's um, like how think, you do one thing is how you do everything, you yeah. know? And like you said, like you, like the, the stimulation you got from skating and then transferred over to golf. It's like, uh, we just enjoy creating and progressing, creating and progressing. So it, sure. once you take one thing away, you get the next thing. Like during COVID, I moved to this new apartment complex that had a, a really nice tennis court. I never played it before because I thought tennis was like a bougie 
yeah. like white people game. I don't know. Like I, just, I, just, I had wrong perceptions of it. And then I watched yeah. Serena Williams Masterclass on masterclass.com. Yeah, I was like, oh, this looks really fun. And then I got yeah. so into it. And now me and my girl just play it every day. It's like, who would have thought I'd be into tennis? But it's like you just yeah. want to get better. It, it, it's, yeah. a, it's just a way of staying happy. Like if I... I either have to be still and grateful or like moving and productive. I can, I can relate. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, man. All good, bro. Yeah, I wish you all the best with the family and Cheers, with Nitro, bro. man. And, and, and thanks for making such amazing progress in our sport. You know, like I know you're, you're a really humble guy, but to a lot of people, you're, you are the Kobe, you are the Michael Jordan of, of what we do, you know, and, and like so many times before sessions, my friends and I would like watch your sessions, your skates videos, and then yeah. go skating. It's like, okay, let's put on yeah. the happy section real quick, watch it and be like, yeah. Like it, it's so motivating to watch anybody who is at the top tier of what they do. You know, yeah. like it, it's always like, I like studying the best, even if I don't watch a certain sport, I want to see the finals of that sport. Yeah, I want to see you. people live in excellence, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks man. for the kind work, man. I appreciate it. And definitely the, the section before skating is a sacred thing. So uh, that's a massive compliment. I, I know how that goes. Like I had all the videos and sections I used to watch before I went to, to skate, and I know how, how important they are. So to, to uh, fall into that category is pretty, pretty rad. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, have a great day. And Cheers, uh, brother. talk to you Cheers. soon, brother. All yeah, right. have a good one. Thank you. Peace. Okay. They can never keep me down, I'm going And if I ever fail to snow, I'll go again I never quit, cause I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going no Who the best in this thing? Tell them, yeah, that's me Tell them, who win the fire? Say, yeah, that's me